All right, so guys, I have an awesome word for you today. Yes. All right, so if you have your Bibles with you, um, if you could turn, tap, click to Psalm 16, verses 5 through 11. So I'm going to read it first in the Message Bible, which probably most of you don't have, but keep your thumb there um, because I'm going to read it in a different translation later. So it's Psalm 16, 5 through 11. It says, my choice is you, God, first and only, and now I find that I'm your choice. You set me up with a house and a yard, and you made me your heir. The wise counsel God gives when I'm awake is confirmed by my sleeping heart. Day and night, I'll stick with God. I've got a good thing going, and I'm not letting go. I'm happy from the inside out and from the outside in. I'm firmly formed. You canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. Now you've got my feet on the life path, all radiant from the shining of your face. Ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right way. So God, this day, we just thank you, Father, that you set our paths in righteousness. God, I thank you for your abundant life and your heart of freedom. Father, just saturating this room. God, I thank you for open ears, open eyes, and open hearts today. God, we just receive, we receive what you're saying and doing this day in Jesus' name. Amen. So the message I have today is really a passion of my heart, and I feel like it's a passion of this house, um, is to raise up healthy people so that we can lead really well. So how many of you would say that you are happier when you're healthy? I know if you ask me to do something and I'm healthy, sure, let's do it. Yeah, let's go. If you ask me to do something when I'm sick, you're not going to get the best representation of who I am. You know, our attitudes tend to struggle a little more when we're sick. Our bodies, our countenance is lower. So we're happier when we're healthier. So how many of you would say that you're a better leader when you're healthy? You're a better parent when you're healthy? How many of you know if you're a parent, you got a parent whether you're healthy or you're sick? But you're probably a better parent when you're healthy than when you're sick, right? So we're better parents, we're better workers, we're better leaders, we're we're better people when we're healthy. So what does that mean to be healthy? Third John 1, 2, we hear this often. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Jesus came that we may have abundant life. The enemy has come to take away everything that the Father wants to give us. It says that the enemy is a thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have abundant life. So everything that the Father wants to give us and wants to fill us with, the enemy comes to steal that and to take it away. It's his whole nature. So we're in this constant tension of God wanting us to overflow and the enemy wanting us to be in lack. So our whole goal our whole, it, it's, our, it's in our nature, it's in our design, is to overflow. We were meant to be filled to overflowing. That's our, that was, it's in our design. It's not just for one of us. Like, like everybody comes to Danny to drink from his well, and we are all filled that way. No, we're all designed to be filled to overflowing. And yes, we feed and we receive from one another. But if one of us is not being filled in ourselves, then we're in lack and we're trying to pull from another person's well to be filled when it was actually in our nature to be filled for ourselves and to overflow uh, and to, to benefit one another out of the overflow of our heart. So in order to be healthy, you have to be able to give and to receive So I think it's really um, interesting that we live in a world that is fascinated 
um, by this idea of an alter reality. I know for me, not all of you will agree, but I get really excited when a movie comes out that is not about aliens or superheroes or zombies or, or like some apocalyptic world. Like if it's actually about real people, like I get excited. I'm like, yes, let's go to the, it's probably a chick flick. I know, I don't, because those are completely reality. So we live in this culture that is just so enthralled by the idea of living in an alter reality. And we live in an alter reality. We live in heaven and on earth. So isn't it interesting that the, the world is craving for what they were, they were designed to have? They want what they're supposed to want. They want what we get to experience as people who can access all of heaven and all of earth at the same time. That's why we believe in the power of confession, of calling what is not as though it were. That's why we believe in binding and loosing. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven because we can access both of those worlds. And that's completely in our design to do that. So what that means is yes, we have access to everything that heaven has access to. What that does not mean is that we don't have needs here on earth. So sometimes we'll take that power of confession and we'll say, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory while we're starving. So there's this tension between us having access to everything that God has for us and for him wanting us to live in the overflow and then us having actual physical needs on the earth. And those needs are not bad. We were designed to have needs. Pastor Joel preached a sermon, which if, would be great if you all would have done this beforehand, but if you could listen to his sermon, it was a great way to just describe how we were created to have needs and to have those needs fulfilled. It's in our design and it's not wrong. Say, it's not wrong for me to have needs. You were created with needs and it was always meant for those needs to be fulfilled. You were never meant to be in lack. So can you see the difference between having a need and being in lack? You were designed to have your needs fulfilled. If they're not being fulfilled, you're living in lack and you were never meant to live in lack. So James 1.4 says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be, be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. So God says that it's in his very plan for us to lack nothing. Now, how many know that you can't lack emotionally and lack nothing? You can't lack physically and lack nothing. You can't lack spiritually and lack nothing. So it's in his design that we actually lack nothing. So that means we have to acknowledge the needs that we have in our bodies, in our souls, and in our spirits. Because if you don't acknowledge them and acknowledge that those needs were meant to be filled, you'll find yourself living in lack. And that's never the destiny that you were created to have. So I got a prophetic word a little while ago. And it said that denial has served me greatly. And what the word was saying was that a lot of times in life, I'll come and I'm so determined to get where I know I need to be that when I hit a wall, I will plow ahead anyway and just pretend that that wall's not there. Denial has served me greatly. But the rest of that word was when you hit a wall, you hit a wall. You need to stop, acknowledge that you hit a wall, take it to the Lord. Let him bring the solution and then move forward. 
And how many times do we do that is we are, we are so sure that we, we know where we need to go and we're going to get there. You know, we're going to endure and we're going to get through and we're going to persevere. And so we hit walls and we just keep plowing through and we end up, we might end up getting there, but we end up getting there with a lot of knots in our forehead because we keep running into these walls and just pretending that they're not there. So sometimes if we could stop when we hit a wall, when we hit that moment where like, I have a need, I'm going to acknowledge that I have this need. I'm going to take it to the Lord and allow him to provide the solution, whatever that would be, and then keep moving forward. We're going to get to our end goal, but we're going to do it with a lot less knots in our forehead. And instead, we're going to have memorial stones of how every single time we had a need, the Lord fulfilled it. He always will supply because it was, it's, it's who he is and it's who we were created to be, is to have needs and to have our needs fulfilled. So, um, so some of us, myself included, are really determined people. I'm a very determined person. Ask my mom. She, just thought, she learned this really a long time ago. So if God says that we're going to build something, we are going to build it. Like, I'm going to go get my hard hat on, get all my tools. We're going to, I'm going to load up YouTube to teach me how to do it because I'm not that handy, but YouTube knows all. So we're going to load all that stuff up and get prepared and then we're going to go. I love the uh, Home Depot slogan. Do you know what that is? Let's do this. We're going to do it. So we get ready to go and we're like, all right, mission, here we come. And then sometimes God says, hey, hey, come on over here. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go, God. And God goes, hey, why don't you have a seat? I want you to like watch this wall that this other person painted and built. Okay, so, but we're going to build that thing. And he goes, just, just wait, just watch this wall for a while. And we get really like, discouraged and we allow that to like take that passion and that drive and we start to let our tools kind of fall out and we're not so focused on the mission because we think we got distracted but God actually says no I want you to watch and see how this is happening or how this happened because you have a need that you're going to have to have fulfilled in order for you to get to your end goal in order for us to really accomplish that thing that we're going to accomplish so another example would be how many have seen the Karate Kid? The old ones, not the new one. So, um, so Daniel-san was all ready to fight, right? And Mr. Miyagi says, yeah, we're going to get there. But first, I really need you to wax my car, right? He had to learn the wax off, the, wa the wax on, wax off, the, the paint brushing up and down because he, there was a need. There was something that he had to have developed before he could actually learn to fight. If he would have gone to fight without that, he was going to recognize that he had a need that he didn't have fulfilled and it was going to cost him a little more than he bargained for, right? So that's why it's, it's important for us to not deny those needs and not to deny the fact that if we never acknowledge that we have a need in those moments, we're not going to learn. We're not going to get that, that thing fulfilled. We're just going to keep plowing forward and end up with those knots on our forehead, right? So if you have your thumb there at Psalm 16, 5 through 11, this is what I, I opened with in the message, but now I'm going to read it in the New King James. It says, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup.'" 
you maintain my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures evermore. So verses 9 through 11 specifically, it says, Therefore my heart is glad, say my heart, and my glory rejoices. My flesh will, always, will also rest in hope, so say my flesh. He will not leave my soul in Sheol, say my soul nor will you allow the Holy One to see corruption. You show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. I love this verse because it points out those three. It says, my heart, my flesh, my soul. And then it says, you show me the path of life. God wants to supply our needs in every area, in our body, in our soul, and in our spirit. And we want to acknowledge that all three of those areas have needs. And, all, and that's good. All of those needs were designed to be fulfilled. So I want to look at those three areas a little bit. So first I want to talk about body needs. Say, my body has needs. Your body has needs for food. Amen. Water. Exercise. Amen. Sleep, yeah, vitamins, minerals. So how many of you, if you were trying to grow a plant, you know that that plant needs some things to survive. It needs sunlight, it needs air, it needs water. If you give that plant sunlight and air but never give it water, what's going to happen? The plant is going to die. So how many of us go through life and we're like, yes, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're going to do it. And we deny our needs because we're on a mission and we're not drinking enough water. And then our bodies start to slow down or we're not eating. I am a um, reformed binge eater. I would just go all day without eating. And then at night, a block of cheese and a bag of crackers was dinner. So, you know, some of us don't have that problem, but some of us would just go through life and we forget to give our body what they need, right? So now there are times and there are seasons where you're gonna, you have to be in survival mode. You just gotta do what you gotta do, right? But if you stay in that place, eventually your body is gonna give out and gonna fail you. So um, like, for example, if you go on a 40-day fast, bless you, the Lord loves you. Um, and there's nothing wrong with fasting. But if you go on a 40-day fast, that sounds really noble and really spiritual, right? If you never get out of that fast, your spirituality is going to kill you. Because you have needs. Your body has needs that were designed to be met. So you might be working really, really long days to build your business or to build your ministry. Um, and you're barely getting sleep. Eventually, if you don't give your body the need that it has, if you don't give it sleep, your success is going to overtake you and it's going to crush you. 
So even with the best intentions, even when we're raising our kids or building our businesses or our ministry, feeding the poor, whatever it would be, it might be the best intent of our heart to do that. And those things are good. But eventually, if we're denying, ignoring the needs that our bodies have, those things are going to overtake us and our bodies are going to fail us. So your body was created to have your needs fulfilled in every way, in a healthy way. And this is not, how many of you just felt condemnation? I don't sleep enough. I don't drink water. This is not condemnation. We live in the 21st century. We all know what are, we know. We need to eat healthy. We know that we need to drink water. So we all know these things. So it's not to bring you condemnation, but it is just to point out an example that our bodies have needs and those needs were designed to be fulfilled. So, uh, could all of you say this with me? Say, body, I love you. Okay. I'm sorry for all the times I did not give you what you needed. I repent for the damage that I've done to you. I say no to shame and condemnation. I ask you to reveal to me the areas where you need care. I invite the Holy Spirit, the great physician, to give me the right plan so that I can live a healthy life. Now I challenge you to start talking to your body. Don't say the first thing that came to your mind because I bet you it wasn't pretty. So I want you to start talking to your body, telling it that you love it, apologizing for the, the wrong that you've done to it and say no, I say no to shame, no condemnation. Start speaking life over your physical body and see the changes that take place uh, in your life because your body is a work of art. Yes, okay. So I bet the more you do that, the happier you're gonna be, the healthier you're gonna be. So say our bodies have needs. Say I get the point? Okay. So your spirit has needs. You have spiritual needs. Hebrews 5.14 says, But strong meat comes to those who are of full age, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What does that mean? That you were designed to practice and to use your spiritual muscles in order to strengthen them because uh, your spirit has needs. And the more you give those needs, uh, the more you, you feed into those things, the stronger you're going to become in your spirit. You were not called, this verse is proof, to be a spiritual vegetarian. It says, but strong meat is for those uh, who have their senses exercised. So your spiritual destiny is strong, fat, and hungry. Yes, I said fat. Your spirit was designed to be fat. Okay. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not food or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You were created to be in right standing with God. It's your destiny. It's your destiny. She loves it when I say her name in sermons. <laughs> to be in right standing with God. It says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. 
When we worship, we're responding to the God-given DNA in us to um, be in that right alignment with God. And whenever he speaks, we're just echoing that back to him. So he says, you're worthy. And we say, God, you're worthy. So he says, you're holy. And we say, God, you're holy. And it's that that constant communication, that constant flow, that exchange of life that's actually filling us. And it's pouring back into us the strength that we need in our spirit to survive and to thrive. It's that constant exchange of life. And that worship reverberates through time and space and actually comes and fills us and gives us what we need to do life and to do it well. Your spirit will always worship something. It was created for connection with God. So if we're not connecting it with God, it's going to worship something else. But God is what it needs. So if you're not connecting with God, your spirit will become deficient. Bill Johnson says, in the natural, you get hungry by eating. Oh, no, by not eating. In the kingdom, you become hungry by eating. So if you're not spiritually hungry, you're probably not spiritually eating. So how do we fill our spirit? How do we feed and strengthen our spirit? Name some things. You can do it. Praying in the spirit. Reading the Bible, praying, connecting with God, right? Worship, yeah. So how do we feed those things inside of us as we just exercise that more and more and more? And it's one of those things that if you think that it's like your multivitamin, your one-a-day, your little Flintstones gummy guy, if you think that you can just pop it in once a day and that'll carry you, that's not the way your spirit works. That might be the way that your body works, but your spirit is actually created and with the need to always be eating, to always be um, having that, that um, more. It just always wants more. And the more you eat, the hungrier you're going to become. So uh, Luke 11.3 says, give us day by day our daily bread. And the more you eat that bread, the more... Your spirit's going to fatten up. Your spirit, gluten intolerance in the spirit is not a thing. So you can just keep eating and eating and eating. (laughs) The gluten-free people say amen. So as believers, we live in that great tension of having everything that we need for life and knowing that we have access to all that we need and knowing that without God, we have absolutely nothing. Our whole relationship with God when we come into salvation, when we come into connection with him, is by acknowledging that we have a need for a savior. That's how it all starts. And that's how it all continues. Recognizing I have a need for the father. I have a need for connection with him. If I'm not fulfilling that need, if I'm not, if I'm not connecting with him, I start to feel like I'm spiritually shrinking or spiritually starving because that the whole thing started with a need for him and it never stops. You, you will always need him. And I think that's one of the most powerful prayers that we can pray is just, God, I need you. Just, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. Because it's not out of powerlessness, and it's not out of, of um, lack. It's out of that constant knowing that without him, we're nothing. But with him, we have everything. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot to blow on the flame of hunger of your spirit, of your heart. 
Uh, I remember I've told this story before. I was cleaning the church one day, and I had a really bad attitude about it. really didn't want to be doing it. I don't like cleaning because things get dirty again. Um, I don't see progress happening, but I just had a really bad attitude. And so I got to the bathrooms and um, cleaning the toilet, and I was just like, you know, whatever. was not in a spiritual moment, um, but I was just cleaning the toilet, and just hunger just hit me, and it was like, Sorry, I'm not taking your topic. <laughs> but, um, but just this hunger hit me, and I just began to cry as I'm cleaning the toilet. And it was like, there's nowhere I'd rather be. It was just this, this, this blow of hunger on that flame, and it was like, I need you. God, I need you. All of this, everything else doesn't matter because there's something inside of me that needs you and that needs to be in connection with you. So whatever I'm doing, whether it's cleaning a toilet or whatever it is, um, there is a need in your spirit. And as soon as you blow on that a little bit, it's going to explode. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. And God will fill you every time. So say, my spirit has needs. Now, everybody say, you ready? Say, God, I need you. I ask that you stir up the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I ask for tangible reminders of your presence and a hunger that won't be ignored. Be a fire shut up in my bones. I want you first and foremost. My desire is you, now and forever. God, I just speak that over, over us this day. God, I thank you for that flame that you're just, is going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to burn brightly and hotter and bigger. God, I thank you, Father, for fat spirits. God, I thank you that we're going to um, continue to feed our hearts and give them the desires of them. God, we're going to fulfill it. Uh, I just thought of that, you know. God said it'll give us the desires of your heart. Well, your heart desires him. So the more you, you go after that, the more he's going to fill you. So God, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. So now I've talked about body needs and I've talked about spirit needs. What's the other area? Our soul. Okay, this is the trickiest one. This one we can ignore better than any of the other ones. So to some extent, how many of you would say you've gotten to know the warning signs of your body? Your stomach growls, you need food. Hangry is a thing, right? When our emotions start to get a little, you know, we're getting a little irritable um, because we haven't eaten, we start to know, okay, I need to give my body food because those words I said were not called for or whatever it is, we, we've started to know the or to recognize the warning signs of our body. Sometimes we might ignore them, but they're a little easier to recognize. So um, another warning bell in your body would be that you're yawning. That's a warning sign that you are tired, right? Or you feel physical pain. Now, so like sometimes we'll feel physical pain if it's like a new thing that we're experiencing. And so we're like, okay, warning bell. And then we we'll do this awesome thing. We consult the most wise presence out there. We consult Dr. Internet. Because, I mean, Dr. Internet knows all, right? So we have these warning bells that sound, and then we, we think, oh, I should respond to it. 
But in our soul, it's way easier for us to ignore or deny those warning signs. And some of them, um, we've been taught to not be controlled by our emotions. That is good. I used to teach in a high school, and I would tell them, if, you, if, if emotions are a car and they're driving, you're going to crash every time. Because high school, emotions are there. Um, so I would say, if, you, if emotions are your chair and you sit in it, you're going to fall down every time. We know we're not supposed to trust our emotions 100% of the time, because that's foolish. Your emotions are up and down all the time. But we know that our emotions are good things, right? They can be those warning signs for us to listen to and to say, okay, what, what do I need right now? We know that there's a difference between being controlled by our emotions. Um, and then there's also another side that some people can just ign ignore and deny that they have emotions, just push them down. So how many of you um, are stuffers? I want you to raise your hand. If you have emotions and you don't want to acknowledge them, you push them down. I'm a stuffer. We're all judging you. No, we're not. Just you're, We are either stuffers or how many of us are spewers? We are all one or the other. We will do this just as a habit. It's just, we will either, if we have emotions, if we have things that we are dealing with in our soul, our tendencies are that we will either stuff them down or we will let them all out. We're stuffers or spewers, right? So uh, we're not actually, there's no judgment because we all have those tendencies one way or the other. And the more healed we get, the more we can come out of that. But um, those are just tendencies. So it's important that we live self-aware enough that we recognize those warning bells in our lives. So I know for me, if I've been working a lot and little things start to push my buttons and irritate me, that should be a warning bell for me. I have not always recognized that that is a warning bell. Instead, I'll just get really irritated and it's like, how dare you ask me for a paperclip? Like, you just get really worked up about it because you don't recognize those warning bells. You just keep going, doing life, right? Um, they can be really easy to ignore. I know, um, yeah, if I'm really tired, like one little thing could make me burst out into tears. So I recognized, okay, when I'm really tired, it's a great time to not make big decisions. It's a great time to not do anything drastic or um, tell someone what you think. You just learn those warning signs in yourself and how to respond to them. So what we want to do is start being aware of those things. Um, so the more aware we become of those things, the more we can stop. Okay, those warning bells are a sign that you have a need. So stop, acknowledge, I have a need in this situation. I have a need in this moment. Lord, help me to fill this need. Help me to respond in a way that would be healthy and not just ignore or deny that need, but to go to him because you were born, you were created to have those needs uh, filled and have them fulfilled. So those warning bells for me are a sign right away. They're warning, warning, you're not caring for an area of your life really well in this moment. Now, um, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have bad moments. It doesn't mean that we need to be perfect. But it does mean that the more we can acknowledge those things and start to becoming, becoming aware of it, we'll start filling our needs and actually be able to do life way better because we're living now in a place of fulfillment and not out of a place of lack. 
So whatever those things are, if you find yourself um, being really irritated or yelling at your kids or speaking down to someone or feeling depressed or angry really quickly, um, just start recognizing, say, Holy Spirit, I, or show me what those warning signs are in my life and help me to know how to fulfill them. Because your soul does have needs. And I think this is great. In Psalm 43, 5, David says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help in my countenance and my God. He's the help. When we are down, he will help us to know what we need to lift us up again. And this verse tells me two things. One is that your soul needs hope. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. The other thing that it tells me is that you can talk to your soul. Because David said, why? Why, why are you? Now, I don't think he was looking to his soul for the answer, the ultimate answer. But he was speaking to his soul. And he says, I recognize that you have a need right now. Hope in God. Because you need hope. It also tells me that your spirit can know the truth. And your soul can be struggling to believe it at the same time. So James 1, 5 through 6 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Say liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave in the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So what's the difference between this man who's unstable like a wave in the sea and David when he says, why are you cast down on my soul? One of them had hope and the other one didn't. So one of them um, asked God, but didn't actually hope, had no expectation that it was going to happen. One of them said, this is my situation, hope in God. Life comes from God. One of them believed that their need would be met and the other one did not. Um, that scripture says, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. I love that because it doesn't say but or and or or if. It just says the Lord gives liberally and without reproach. When we ask him, it's his nature to give us to overflowing. So now how many have, if you can think about um, a moment in your life where you've had a problem, a situation happening, um, and you just keep going over the, the situation over and over and over and over again. It's just like everything you do. It's just always cycling through your mind. Now, how many of you in those moments have found the solution? Just going over the problem over and over and over again. What am I going to do about the problem? Oh, how's this going to affect the problem? We just keep cycling over it. I can pretty much guarantee you did not find the solution in doing that. So now... What happens if we take that moment where the situation is going and maybe you're feeling depressed? Pay attention to those warning bells in those moments. So in the problem, okay, what am I feeling? Okay, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling hopeless. What, okay, that's a warning bell. Stop, acknowledge there is a need here, and then take it to the Father. Now what happens if you have that same problem going over in your mind and you say, God, this is my problem? So rather than just going over and over and over again, now you say, God, this is what I'm going through. This is what I can't get out of my mind. What did you just do? You just invited the solution into the problem. So rather than just looking at the problem alone, just in that one thing, because what did you just do? You just connected with the one who gives all solutions. You just invited hope into 
hopelessness. You just invited peace into torment. You just invited life into death, whatever that is. Just in that one switch of acknowledging there is a need that needs filled. Let's take it to the one who fills every need. Just by allowing that little switch, we just allowed all of those solutions to come into the problem. Does it mean that it's going to happen right away? Not necessarily, but I just, I just dare you to see what happens when you start to do that, just to see what the difference is in those moments. And I bet sometimes we're in those times and, and um, we say, God, this, all right, God, I'm going to let you, I'm going to challenge you to, uh, all right, my worry against your faith, and let's see what happens. And God will go, God will just speak solution into our moment, and we go, light bulb, I'm a genius. I know what we need to do now. I know. I just, I just figured it out. I just know. Did we really figure it out? No. But God's in heaven like, yeah, you are. You're a genius. Let's go. Let's do this. Like he does. He is so excited when we allow that solution to come in and be a part um, because that's what we were created for is to have those needs fulfilled. So when we get those solutions, I don't think God is like, um, needs all the credit. Yeah, we want to give him glory, of course. But he's so excited just because that's we're living in our nature. We're living the way we're supposed to be living, having those needs fulfilled. So I want us to start getting used to talking to our heart. You parents, how many of you have had a child who is upset and you don't know why? Typically what you'll do is ask them what's wrong, Right? Not a parent, but I think I've seen that around. Like, it's like, you're hurting. What's wrong? Right? Okay. So wouldn't it make sense when we have a problem to stop and say, what's wrong? Just say, okay, heart, there's a problem. What is wrong? Now, like I said, that doesn't mean you're always going to get that answer right there in the moment. But I also think that sometimes the solution looks different than what you're looking for. So you might, really, um, you might really be in fear, and you're just praying, God, 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 give me peace, give me peace, give me peace. And you say, God, give me the solution, and God makes you laugh. Like God just gives you a dose of joy. You weren't necessarily looking for joy, but joy brought peace. So it doesn't always look the way we think it's going to look, but he'll always give you the solution um, to every problem. So I started doing this. I started talking to my heart. I started, okay, heart, I don't do this out loud. It sounds a little weird. But I'll say, okay, Lord, heart, you have a problem. What, what is happening? Do I always hear something? No. But first of all, I'm acknowledging that I have a need, and that is a big, big step one. You're acknowledging that your heart has needs and that it was designed to be fulfilled. Because so many times we just ignore it, and we let ourselves starve and get into lack, and that's where we were never supposed to be. So say, my soul needs hope. Now, something else that your soul needs. This one might challenge some of you. Some of you are going to be really excited. Your soul needs to have fun. Guys, you're so quiet. Okay. I thought I'd at least get a cheer from Aaron. Okay. So... Now, your soul needs to have pleasure. Your soul needs to have fun. So for some of us, that looks like going to the beach. (laughs) For some of us, that looks like mowing the lawn. For some of us, that looks like um, throwing a dinner party or uh, a party or... That would not... Oh, Lord, that is not fun to me. But, okay. So, 
all of us have a different thing that that looks like. Maybe it's, you know, a spa day. Maybe it's um, a movie day. Whatever it is, you need to have that time where you can relax and release and rest and have fun. So this is important to note. I just alluded to it a little bit. Now, if your friend was sick with the flu, you would not give them your blood pressure prescription, right? That would not do them any good. So my point in saying that is fun for someone does not look like, it won't look the same for me as it does for you. So if, if we go to somebody who has, it is so fun for them to get out in their garden and we go, you're such a workaholic, you can't even stop. You're just out in the garden. Are you helping them? No. Okay, so it's important not to give our prescription to someone else because that might not actually fill their need. That might actually cause some side effects that, that they don't want. So fun looks different for every person, pleasure, relaxation, rest, whatever those things are. So we don't want to impose our idea of that on another person. But your brain actually needs you to have those uh, pleasure chemicals, those dopamines, those endorphins running through your, your system to actually bring you life and enjoyment and happiness. And, uh, but a lot of times we don't think about that. We think if we're going through depression, like, okay, say Rachel is just really going through depression. How many of you would say, man, it'd be really great if you like went to see a counselor or like got some inner healing? We'd be like, yes, amen, hallelujah, do that. We'll support you. Um, and those things are amazing. I'm totally for counseling, therapy, whatever. If you need that, yes. But how many of you would say, man, you're just really... I, you're just in this depression, you're just telling me about it, I'll be like, yeah, I just, you just probably should go to Disney World. <laughs> go, to go to her garden. So whatever that fun would be for her. But we, we, a lot of times we'll just default to one thing rather than saying, hey, maybe when's the last time you did something that you weren't thinking about that issue, where you weren't thinking about the problem? I was listening to someone else um, speak a sim- this similar point, and um, he said, go out on a jet ski at 60 miles an hour and try to think about your problems then. <laughs> so he was like, think, think you're out on the water, and you're like, oh, my kids. Like, like try to think about your problems when you're doing something crazy or fun. It's hard to do both at the same time. So sometimes what you need, and I'm also not saying that we, the whole message is about acknowledging your needs. So it's not a a fact of going and trying to ignore or um, anesthetize whatever you're dealing with, but it is a fact of going and say, okay, if I get in pleasure, sometimes when you allow that to to, um, be medicine to your soul, solutions will come a lot faster than if you're constantly just mulling over the problem over and over and over again. So I just challenge you. And like I said, that's why I think it's so important because some of us say, oh, you just need to go fill in the blank. Well, it's not going to look the same for every person, but whatever that is for you, and maybe you don't know what it is, um, just ask the Lord, okay, what is fun to me? What is pleasure? What does my soul need? Um, And just try it out. See what happens. That doesn't make you a bad Christian. That doesn't make you um, less holy or spiritual if you um, actually give your soul what it needs. So say, my soul needs fun. Something else that your soul needs is connection with other people. 
um, this is something that the Lord actually um, revealed to me. And he said, if you look at when God created man, he said everything was good until it got to one thing. When man was alone, he said it's not good for man to be alone. So God never created us um, to be alone. We were created to lean and rely and need other people. Say people need other people. You have stuff I need. I have stuff you need. We're supposed to always be in that exchange of life, of me um, receiving from your overflow and you receiving from my overflow. That's part of our design. So I'm not going to spend a long time on that one because we've, we've talked a lot about that, our needs to connect with other people. But it is so important um, because if you find yourself um, pulling back and isolating pretty sure you could say your soul's not in a healthy place because your soul is actually, it, it, it has a need to connect with other people. There's someone in this room, I won't point out who they are, but they were talking to me and they said this, they said something um, and they didn't know that it really spoke to me, but it did. And they said, life is a roller coaster or like a roller coaster. It's got ups and downs. And they said, but I'm not on it. And I thought that was amazing. It like blew up in my spirit because life can have ups and downs. We can have emotions, you know, we can have um, moments of highs and lows, but when our, when our needs are being met, when we're allowing God to, to minister and to fill our soul, we're not subject to those highs and lows. We can actually just enjoy life. We can actually just live um, and do what we were created to do. So it was a really profound thing um, for me. I uh, thank you for the person who said that. Um, so let's say to our soul, say soul, I love you. Okay. I love you just like doing that. Say, I am grateful for my mind, will, and emotions. I am sorry for ignoring or denying your needs. I want my soul to prosper. I say no to shame, fear, and doubt. I declare hope and pleasure over you. I have a beautiful soul. So um, healthy people carry healthy culture. If we're all living in this place of having needs and having our needs fulfilled and being um, living out our purpose to overflow, we're going to be a really help, healthy culture around here or wherever we go. We're going to be healthy families. We're going to be healthy in our jobs. Uh, we're going to be healthy by ourselves. We're going to be healthy together. It's just going to create healthy culture. Um, and that, to me, is the most beautiful picture of kingdom. When somebody looks and they says, they've figured out how to do life well. They've figured out how to have their needs supplied to where they're not... Um, they're not groping for, for, to get their, their needs fulfilled from other places, but they've actually figured out how to do it. And um, I just would love to see that. I'd love to see every person individually um, be in such a place where they, they say, yeah, I have needs, and we're not ignoring or denying that. Sometimes we come to church, um, and 
Um, like we've just been having a rough time. We've just been just, something's just really tormenting us. And um, and everybody around us can see that there's an axe sticking out of our head. And we come to church and we're like, bless the Lord. God is good all the time. Yeah, great. How you doing? Doing great. By faith. It's great. It's fine. Everything's fine. But everybody can see that something's not fine. And what is the change when we can take away the shame and the condemnation of saying, I have a need and it needs to be fulfilled. And that's right and that's good. When we can actually do that, we're going to be able to come into culture and say, hey, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Can you help me? Or do you, um, can you speak into my life? And when we do that, can you imagine how much healthier and happier we're going to be? Uh, and it's just going to spread everywhere we go in our culture. Um, um, one thing, I was in children's church last Sunday, and one of the kids, um, we had prayed for Danielle's, the helper, and we had prayed for her elbow weeks ago, weeks ago. And so last week, um, we hadn't, you know, we hadn't talked about it since then. And one of the kids goes, hey, hey, how's your arm doing? We, we weren't talking about her arm. We didn't bring it up. He just said, hey, how's your arm doing? And uh, so she, she told him, and, uh, and he goes, all right, just checking in. And I thought, that is profound. Because a need was made known weeks ago, and Darian checked in on it to see if the need had been met. Otherwise, we were going to pray for that thing again. And I just thought, what a picture of healthy culture when we can allow people to know our needs and then check in on us. And I think we should all have those people that we can say, hey, just checking in. And when they say that, we don't go, fine, great, bleeding a little bit, but it's going to be great. We can actually tell them what's real, what's going on. And that doesn't mean that you have to be responsible for fixing anyone because you can't. But it does mean that if we can allow those people to see us and to see our needs and to allow them um, to check in on us and say, okay, so say um, somebody comes to me and, or I go to them and, they, and I say, you know, just checking in. And they say, well, didn't have a great week. You know, I was really dealing with the same thoughts over and over again. Um, and what I don't say is, oh, it's okay, you'll get them next time. And what I don't say is, oh, that's really bad. What I do say is, okay, what did you do about it? How did you respond? Okay, was that a healthy response? Probably not. Okay, what do you think you could do next time? And then they start to, well, I could, I could, you know, I could speak truth. You know, I could um, not binge watch this show for 12 hours. I could, and they start to get the solutions for themselves and okay, okay, I could do this. And then the next time, all right, just checking in. Okay, yeah, I was struggling this week, but I, I made this decision and I did this. All right, that's awesome. And we be that encouragement to them. So it's not about fixing someone else. It's not about um, you having all the solutions for them. But it is a way of you saying, okay, you have a need. You also have connection to the solutions. Now, 
bring solution into this. And they start to, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to them what they can do. And in those moments, they're going to be, okay, I remember this was a solution. And this doesn't happen overnight. This is still process. Um, but the more we can do that and do that with one another, because it's sometimes we think, okay, I can just do this on my own. I actually don't. This sounds easy. I got steps one through five. I'll just do this the next time that I feel whatever. But remember, you were still created to live in connection with other people. So the more that we can do this with one another and say, hey, Natasha, just checking in. And everybody should know what that means. After today, everybody in this room should know that catchphrase does not mean your response is, I'm fine. That should give you, okay, so when we say just checking in, let that let, respond to them. Okay, what, what are we dealing with right now? What do we need? It also doesn't mean dump all your problems on them. It just means allow them to be part of your life. Allow them to be part of your process. And allow them to help you connect to the one who actually has solutions. So how many of you can commit to having a person in your life who's your check-in person? Okay. All right. Now, not all of you can be my person, so you need to go to each other. I can't, I can't be everyone's check-in person, but if we can all do this with one another, think of healthy community that's going to be thriving um, in us, and when we leave here, that's taking it to our homes. When we go to work, that's taking it to our jobs. So everywhere we go, we're just creating that, that ripple effect of healthy culture. I went way off my notes, so. All right, and if you think about, um, an example I had was the woman at the well. She came and she got, she got well, she got well at the well. Ah! Sorry, I really like those stupid jokes. Um, she came and got healed at the well, and then she goes out and she tells everybody else about it, and they want what she got. They want the solutions. They want that healthy um, culture that was then inside of her. So it's really contagious when we learn to, to acknowledge our needs, let them be fulfilled, and live out of that overflow. Um, it's really contagious, and it's a way to really um, change culture um, without even really thinking about it, without even really trying. So if you're one that's like, I'm going to change the world, this is a great place to start. Say, okay, what do I need? Can I get that well? Can I, can I get that need fulfilled? Can I do life really well? And then just as you live, you're showing other people how to live, which is really awesome. All right. So I'm going to end with Psalm 116, 5 through 9. It says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Again, God gives bountifully. For you have delivered my soul from death and my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So God, I just thank you today for health. God, I thank you for healthy people, God, healthy culture. God, and I thank you that we are going to be a people who recognizes that we were created to have our needs fulfilled and to live out of that overflow. God, I just ask for Holy Spirit reminders, uh, those warning bells, as it were, of where we have a need, whether it be body, soul, or spirit. And God, I thank you, Father, that you are always faithful to give bountifully. God, you give liberally and without reproach. So God, I just thank you, Father, and we just... Uh, um, thank you for that Holy Spirit just reminding us 
And God, I thank you for the grace to live in community well. God, to receive from one another's wells. God, to drink um, from what another person has. God, and to um, just be so saturated by a culture of abundance and abundant life, God, that wherever we go, it's noticeable. And Father, I thank you that, that cities will be transformed because of it. In Jesus' name. So now just before we dismiss, if any of you has a need in your body and you have pain that needs to be healed, we have a healing team. So the healing team can come on up. Um, and so if you have a need and you have pain in your body, you want to acknowledge it now and come and let these awesome ministers pray for you. Um, and it, so if that's you, you can come on up. Everyone else, you guys are dismissed. I love you. Do awesome things in Jesus' name.